want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. And I almost uh, did some uh, certain things. You know, I thought about it because, you know, pray for me also. I sprained my uh, low back and uh, SI joint. And I've been to chiropractors three times in three days. And I'm going back tomorrow and probably again on Friday. And uh, just kind of things happen in three. Judy has her shoulder situation and I mess my back up and uh, Heather's facing a new trial. So just keep us in prayer. But I, as I'm walking up here with a cane, I was thinking of this, ways to tell you're over the hill. You find your foot tapping along with the accordion music. Lawn care is the highlight of your week. Your insurance company sends you their calendar <laughs> one month at a time. Your bed has more options than your car. One of the throw pillows put on your sofa is a hot water bottle. <laughs> yeah. You know you're over the hill when it takes you a couple tries to get over the speed bumps. I'm not there. You hear yourself saying, I remember when more than three times a day. And you know you're over the hill when you're out of breath walking down a flight of stairs. Yes. Okay, now, a guy bought his wife a piano for her birthday. She wanted to learn to play and, and learn to play music on the piano. And a few weeks later, his buddy at work asked him how she's doing with her piano. And the guy said, actually, I persuaded her to switch to a clarinet. His buddy says, how come? And he says, because she can't sing when she's playing a clarinet. <laughs> Jude, are you listening? No. <laughs> I'll pay for that. She still has a good arm. Someone asked me, you know, you shouldn't let her hit her so hard, hit you so hard, she wouldn't have hurt her arm if you. Amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter twelve. Yeah, I listened to Pastor Kenny. He's asking me. He asked me yesterday, do I need to get someone to preach or I'll to take the service? And then I listened to this morning, and. He said, are you going to be able to preach? And I says, I'll do it one way or another because you won't have your voice by the time we get done with prayer requests. And that's the way that works out with that. So if I wince, it just don't worry about it, okay? Hebrews chapter 12. And because there's the cantata on Sunday for the Easter service, for the Resurrection Sunday service, tonight we're going to have an Easter and a Resurrection Sunday message. And because you people were so confused and disorderly with your prayer request, Pastor Kenny told me, tell him I gave you until 8.45. So if I let you out early, you're okay, right? Okay. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. And again, this coming Sunday, for most of the world and most of the people of the world, it's Easter Sunday. You know, the, the, the Hindus kind of like that day too. You didn't realize that. I can tell you, they're, they're certain they have, they have they have celebrations for almost any day of the week, 
when you worship 300 million gods, or 30, excuse me, 30 million gods, you know, you got to have a day for somebody, and they have multiple days. So, you know, it, for most of the world, it's Easter Sunday, and that's, that holds certain significance. Um, it's the coming of the spring renewal. I'm looking, and you can just start to see the buds on the trees, and with the warm weather today, and the next days you're going to be seeing more that will pop right out, you know, and the rabbit and Easter eggs and all those things are tied to renewal and new life. Okay, and you know, there's a bunch of traditions surrounding this holiday, and most of them are holdovers from pagan religion. Okay, I, I got a picture sent to me of a, a, a great nephew, no, great niece, and she has on the the bunny rabbit ears look cute. She looks like she belongs in a Cadbury commercial. But I don't support Cadbury anymore, so. <laughs> if you bring them, I'll eat them and throw away the wrappers, I promise. You know, but it comes down to what is it basically Easter's about? It's a pagan holiday. It's the worship of the mother goddess, Astarte. Okay, and that's where the term Easter comes from. Estarde, you know, and for the believer, the Sunday we're celebrating what? It's already been mentioned. Resurrection Sunday. Okay. You know, part, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic, and Lent and all that stuff is tied to Babylonian false worship. You can't get away from it. That's what the background is, you know, and you get to remember, you know, that you realize that uh, even oranges and stuff at, at Easter time are tied to the worship of the crescent moon god. And most people don't realize the background of it. But we're celebrating his resurrection. The title of tonight's message is Author and Finisher. So I want you to turn to Matthew 28, because I know there'll be something along with the cantata. There'll be gospel be presented. You need to invite your lost relatives and friends, co-workers, out to the Sunday morning service and tell them it's going to be a special service with a lot of good songs and stuff. So get them to come, and I know they'll hear the gospel through this. Amen? And the different uh, written part of that. But in Matthew 28, on verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and all the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for the fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. I want you to notice that Jesus left the tomb with the rock still where? In place. Okay, you look at that. His countenance was well like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. In the fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered, said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Okay, that's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, because we're the only so-called religion, and if you're a saved person, that's not a religion, it's a relationship. But I've been to India, doesn't make a difference where you go, you can go to Buddha's tomb. You can go to Lenin's tomb. You can go to the tomb of any of the, the heads of these Muhammad's tomb, the great religions of the world, because they have a dead leader. Yeah. 
We have a risen Savior. And as we go into Resurrection Sunday, that's the message you need to be willing to give to people, whether it's your neighbors, the people you work with, if you're in public school, the kids you go to school with, wherever it might be, you have a risen Savior. And that's why your heart can be different than other hearts. Because you don't have a religion without real hope. You have hope. You know, in Luke 26 and verse 5 and 6, it was said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but risen. See, we don't have a dead sacrifice. We have a risen Lord. Do you remember that? A risen Lord. And why is that important? Because it says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory to intercede for us. That's why the Bible teaches you to end your prayers in Jesus' name, because you're asking through him. Amen? Amen. You know, the only hope for any sinner is an empty tomb. Is an empty tomb. See, it's not good works. It's not religion. It's not special observance. It's not aliens coming down to take us away. It's not, okay? The importance of the day we're going to celebrate is that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. He's the author and finisher. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. The Apostle John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us this text, and it says, And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am an Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book. Amen? See, it's got to be in the book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Kind of, you know, like when it says there was a fourth one in the fire with the appearance as the Son of Man. Okay? And you have this, okay? And it says, The Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I pray and the Lord speaks to me through the Holy Spirit, it doesn't come on me with that voice. Amen. When I was a kid growing up, I used to have a, I don't care, it was a Bill Cosby 33 long play comedy routine. All right? And one of those routines he did was, Noah, can you tread water? And all of a sudden he'd break out into that voice and all they could think of, you know, I'm a kid and going, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. Here we're talking about those when they hear his voice. I'm glad that I was willing, and if you're here tonight and you're saved, you better be glad that 
it was a still small voice. Because it won't always be a still small voice. You saw him as the suffering savior. Here he is, the ruler of all eternity. The sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun that shineth, as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell as dead. I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive evermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. That's who came out of the tomb. Amen? He is the beginning and the ending. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 7, 17, it says, For by him were all things created that were in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the author of life. And you're here and you're living because of him. He's the author of salvation. If you're saved, you have eternity and glory with him to look forward to because he is the author of salvation. He is the author of this book through the Holy Spirit. He's the author and finisher. She said he's the author of salvation. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him... For whom are all things, and by, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Lost people are in bondage to their mortality. They don't know how to live because they're afraid to die. If you're here and you're saved tonight, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in, pertaining, in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. 
verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. When in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. They're talking about the prayer in Gethsemane. If thou wilt take this cup from me. Though he were a son, yet he learned he, learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, it says, This man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, where he is also able, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Why do we not need to fear? Because he is risen. Because he is risen. See, he is the author of salvation. He's the author of life. He is also the finisher. You know, I try to tell people, sometimes they turn, well, I don't think God can see. You don't know how much sin is in my life, preacher. You don't know. I've had a woman next to me. You don't know what I've done and what I've been through. God couldn't save me. And I looked right at her. That woman prayed a little bit later. And I said, God's not so concerned where you start from because all are sinners. He wants you to know how to finish. To finish you in your Christian walk and in your Christian life. But you're not finishing the salvation. He's already done it. John chapter 17 and verse 4, he says, I have glorified, this is Jesus. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Turn to John chapter 19. I want you to see the verses and think, and then a normal, if I had more time, I'd wax eloquent on these points. You know how that works? Okay. But tonight you need to know he is the author. He is the finisher. John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be what? Saith I thirst. Now therefore there, there was yet, yet set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said what? It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. In. You got to remember, he was on the cross for how long? About six hours. Put on there before nine o'clock in the morning and he's taken down a little after three in the afternoon. And in that hours of time, he suffered an eternity of eternal torment on the cross. It just wasn't a physical death. It wasn't just a physical beating. 
It wasn't just the emotional torment of those who were taunting him. All the wrath of God on sin was poured out on Jesus in a few hours' time. He was in torments. And the only time in the history of all known time there ever was a separation between the Father and the Son. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And God the Father cannot have sin in his presence. And the suffering... The rich man in hell cried out from hell in Luke 16, I thirst. What did Jesus cry out from the cross? The very same thing. He finished it. There's no more sacrifice needed. I watch people, they struggle. You know, we're talking about different people to pray for, and you turn around and and the missionaries are talking about somebody who thought they were saved and found out it was Jesus plus. No, salvation is Jesus done. Amen? There's nothing added to it. There's nothing added to it. It says in Hebrews 10 and verse 13, by one sacrifice for sin, he sanctified once for all. And the same self-same priest offering the self-same sacrifices daily, which can never take away sin. That's how you can tell the difference between true Christianity and Christian religions. One sacrifice. Never to be sacrificed again. Never to be sacrificed again. And I got saved out of a church that says every time it was prayed over, he was re-sacrificed. And that's not biblical. He finished it on the cross. I don't know about you, but I like that. The Father was satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's what the empty tomb is all about. That's what the cross was for. He was satisfied. So you see, he's the author of salvation. He is the finisher. His joy is glory. Turn back again to Hebrews. We're going to go to John 17 in a second. But look at back again at Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 2 again with me. Think about this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the what? The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. His joy is glory. John 17. Verse 1. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son may also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own, own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. His joy is glory. You ever think about that? The joy of reunion with the Father? We are to, not to be as others which have no hope because there is going to be a glorious what? Reunion. And you need to tell people they want to go to heaven. They've got to trust Jesus Christ. There's a glorious reunion. Want to go to hell? Any other way will do. Because he's the author and finisher of salvation. And he's returned to his glory. He had the joy of reunion with the Father. He had the joy of returning to his heavenly throne where he makes intercession for me. The only time he won't intercede for me is when I won't come to him. We have a privilege in prayer that the world doesn't understand. I have confidence that my Savior hears me. The religions of the world have no confidence. It's a hope so, a maybe so. If you get to know the author and finisher, you know what you can do? You can have confidence. See, because I know the author and I know the finisher, I know how the book ends. Amen? His joy should be our joy. Joy of reunion with the Father, returning to be with him, with our Savior, in Acts chapter 2, verse 32 and 33, it says, This Jesus hath God raised up where we are all witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which they now see and hear. That's when Peter was preaching, and cloven tongues of fire descended. And they got to see it because Jesus had ascended. He told us, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that when he leaves, he was going to send another. The empty tomb means you can be comforted because you can have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, they talk about the sure mercies of David. Well, you know you have a greater mercy. When David confessed his sin in Psalm 51, he says, take not thy what? Holy Spirit from me. He didn't have the same security that we have. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. But the Holy Spirit could leave the Old Testament saints. You know what he can't, the Holy Spirit won't do? He won't leave you. Because God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, you can grieve the Holy Spirit with your life, and you can quench him, and that means you don't even hear him anymore. But you know what he is? Because Jesus finished on the cross, he is your earnest payment that secures your salvation. He's called the earnest of our inheritance, the down payment of the glories that we're going to get to return to when we go back to be with the one who saved us. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. 
God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, who did God the Father use to make the worlds? It says of Jesus, by him all things were created, and by him all things consist. When it says God spake, that was the living word of God. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You see that? Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He's at the majesty on high. Now, Philippians chapter 2, familiar passage. He's the author and finisher. It should change our mindset. You know that? It should change our mindset. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this. You ready? It's deep, 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 deep. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. You know what they're telling us to do? To be humble believers before a haughty world. And being found, fashion, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and of things in earth and things under the earth. I think that covers it. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of God the Father. His joy is glory. His joy is glory. His glory secures our joy. Our joy. Turn to Gospel of John, chapter 14. It secures our joy. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be what? You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Why? Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's secured in him. Psalm 48 and verse 2 says this. It says, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You want to know where heaven is today? You can find it just by looking at scripture verses. It's north. It's due north. It 
That's where Satan, as Lucifer, claimed he was going to set up. That's where the psalmists tell us over and over again. And it tells you that your safety doesn't come from the east, the south, or the west. So where does it come from? Revelation 21 and verse 2, and it says, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for heaven. I mean for her husband. A bride adorned for her husband. If you think, you know, some people have these big, you know, outsized weddings. What do you think it's going to be like when we're there, when heaven comes down, the new Jerusalem, where there's no need of the sun, the moon, or the stars because there's no night there. How bright would that be? It secures his glory, secures our joy. If I never confess another sin to Jesus Christ, and I'm told to, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I will lose my joy here. I will lose crowns because I won't be looking for him coming back for me here. I can lose relationships here. But you know what I can't lose? If I truly trusted in Christ, I can't lose heaven. His glory secures our joy. As we look at Sunday and we celebrate that, as we have to work or be around people, I don't care if you go to McDonald's. I don't care where you go. Can you tell them about a risen Savior who has secured glory for you and for them if they're willing to come to him? That's the message of the resurrection. It's come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And all God's people said, Amen. Good night and God bless.